Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research, an organization dedicated to sharing spiritual information with the world. You can find out more about LL Research at llresearch.org. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in service to the Infinite Creator. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. And thanks for joining us on this journey. Ryan, my man, how's it going? What is going on? Doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, Ooh, you almost said good there, Jeremy. I'm I know. I know. I'm, that's like one of my like <laughs> pet peeves. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, that's one way in which I'm a snob. Can't, I, I can't. But I, I love that I could catch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also like, am I doing well? Well, really? you know what, Jeremy? If you're not doing well... You are doing good. I want you to know that, my friend. <laughs> it all works out. Either way, you're winning. Yeah. You're winning. It is, um, so as we're recording this, it is 5.45 a.m. And I'm starting to notice now that the summer solstice is past us, the daylight is definitely changing up here in the northern, northwestern part of the United States. Yeah, it's a little more uh, uh, exaggerated up there. It is. It is. I usually, I've, I've gone to, I've, I've vacationed in Alaska before in the summer and it's, it's funny cause uh, we were, my wife and I were hiking around this glacier fed lake. It was absolutely oh, gorgeous. We were amazing. doing a backpacking trip. Right. And, uh, yeah, we all of a sudden, like we got, we're really tired and we're like, well, let's just check the watch and see how long we've been. We had been hiking for like 10 hours straight. We had no clue that it was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> no wonder we were tired, but the sun was still way up there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I usually get my, you know, my chores done at night after our son goes to bed. And that includes walking the dog, taking out the garbage. I'll do some watering of the, the plants and the, the grass and, and, by the time I'm done with my chores these days, it, the sun has gone down and it's getting dark and, uh, it's just noticeable. I've got to, I think I've got to change my watering schedule or something because it's just getting so dark. I mean, and mind you, it's like 9 PM, you know, so it's not, but I'm used to it being 930 when it actually starts yeah. to become dusk, you know, so it's, so it's a, but also now the pain point for me is that I can get up with the sun. In other words, mm -hmm. 4.30 in the morning if the sun's coming up. But now that the sun's coming up later, it's just getting a little easier to sleep in. That's the body doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and sleep feels really good when it's dark out. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, let's see. I think we've got a good topic today. Before we dive into the topic... I want to throw out a quick story. I'm going to call this a service win. And this is in direct relation to, I think, our, epi our, our episode two, two episodes ago, the pitfalls of service and discussing, yeah. discussing how is it do you serve? What do I 
do, I'm putting air quotations around that. What do I do to serve? And then we kind of, I think we came to the point where it's not necessarily about doing, it's about being, you know, at least that's how I'm starting to understand all the service. But to tell a quick story, um, I'm going to change the names, but there's, uh, I've got a friend, we'll call her June and, uh, June, um, is in town visiting and she got a Facebook message from an old high school friend of hers and her high school friend said, Hey, I see you're in town. I would love to catch up. Now this high school friend is very, a very successful. You could call her a businesswoman. She's, she's in real estate. She's a real estate broker, quite successful. And, um, June is, uh, they're hanging out. Um, and June's friend said, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I've been depressed and, you know, I've thought about committing suicide and basically said that my interaction with you, seeing you and hanging out with you has done more for me than, you know, my years of, of therapy. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for being, you know, Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for caring. And um, the long story short is my friend June essentially making this woman feel like she has another lease on life just by being there when she needed someone because this woman doesn't really have her family anymore. There's some disconnect there. She's not really happy in her career. And this, I think, goes back to even what we talked about last episode where one's suffering is personal and it, it's serious, but it's it really pertains to them. And we can look as an outsider and we can look at this successful real estate broker who is, you know, adored in the community and has lots of friends, you would think. And you would think that, oh, they've got they've got a good life. But once you get in there and you realize that maybe this woman doesn't have a good relationship with her kids and that weighs heavily. Maybe she feels like her career she had to make sacrifices for her career that affected her in other ways. It was just a reminder that everybody's suffering is their own and can be very serious. And we all run into problems. And my friend June did a real, I think, did a real service just by being open and happy to see an old friend. It goes to show you uh, how simple the activity of service really is. It is not about the action. It is about the mindset with which you approach it that makes it of utility in that deeper, uh, dare I say, you know, non-transient way, right? I mean, there's all these mm -hmm. details on the surface of life that clutter our minds, filter through, and we, we try to make sense of them. And that's what our intellects are supposed to do. They're trying to make sense of this detail-ridden existence that we find ourselves in. The Confederation tries to remind us of a, of a deeper uh, significance to life and all of the things that we tackle, but they are, it is impossible to deny that um, it's very, very confusing when everything seems to have a different face on the surface and every request made of us for service seems like a different request it doesn't seem like it's the asking for the same basic thing. Yes. So we have to kind of like figure out how to, how to navigate that. That's a great point. And, yeah. If, can I just reiterate Absolutely. that? A request 
The requests for service you may be receiving, they don't come in as note cards or a comment card saying, boy, I could really use some service right now. That's not, that's not the kind of request you're going to get. It comes in differently. Hey, do you want to grab lunch? You know, and then during the conversation, by the way, I'm having marital problems. It's like, okay, here's that opportunity to serve simply as not a mirror, right? Just a clear, open channel of love and just be there for someone and just be. Yeah. Because if you just, if you are just being, you don't have to worry about being a mirror. You're already a mirror for that other person. It's not really about you at all, is it? It's about that other person and their free will choice to at this moment in their lives with you engage that part that they couldn't engage solo, right? Yeah. If that, if there's any need to reiterate the power of love in a not woo woo in a not, not maybe not even, well, this goes to a spiritual level, but in just, just the power of showing love to other people, showing love and care. There's an example right there with June and her friend who she just needed someone to talk to. And, you know, so I'm going to call that a service win where it doesn't even seem like service, but you in a very serious way helped to save a life. Well, I, I will, I will approve of the term service win as long as we can make one caveat that you're not allowed to evaluate it until at least a year afterwards, Ooh. <laughs> right? Because we don't, we need the perspective, right? We are, this isn't, this isn't cut and dry. It's not cut. It's not cut and dry in that. And the reason isn't because service isn't simple. It absolutely is. The problem is that we aren't simple. The thing evaluating the service isn't simple. It's all confused. Yeah. It's all mixed up. It's all dealing with all of these like preconceptions of what we should or should not have done. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Confederation says that is fine. You know, this is something that um, Carla actually talks about a lot um, or actually Kuo does through Carla. Um, spiritual pride. And the idea of having pride in your ability to serve and your ability to, uh, dare I say, not have pride, right? To like not be an ego um, and how that itself can be a form of kind of materialism. Mm -hmm. In theosophy, they have this idea of spiritual materialism, which is a way of taking spirituality and making itself kind of an object that you adorn yourself with instead of using it as a tool to like strip things away, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh there's a couple I'm and this s- gets right into transient stuff it does it does which is a topic of today what is transient what is not how do i differentiate between what work what things can i do now that will truly last and we brought this up again uh in episode two episodes ago about living by example and living by example in such a way that if it sticks, then in five or 10 generations, my view of the world of how people should live, or maybe what is a good way to live, that that will simply bleed through, you know, from generation to generation and slowly grow. I mean, look at the size of the Mormon church today. 
and they are, this is a relatively new religion, right? In the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, I believe, is when it sure. started. We are not many generations away from a group of people choosing to follow Joseph Smith, who, if I, and if I remember correctly, died and passed the torch to Brigham Brigham Young, and just you know, it wasn't that long ago. And look at the size of that community. You know, so of course we can make we can make arguments about how religion functions and how that is actually spreading, perhaps not by example, but you know, but but the I think the principle holds. One thing happening today in 150 years can lead to something very large. You know, so what is that non-transient action or example that you can set or work that you can do? Um, not just for the world, but for yourself as a spirit. Well, let's just uh, make sure that we are talking about the same term, right? So mm -hmm. the definition of transient is lasting only for a short time, impermanent. So we're talking about things that are kind of like of the moment, but not in the sense of being in the present moment in some sublime way. It's more, um, these are things that come and go. The aspects of our lives that come and go, um, the way that de I find it very uh, tied up in detail, the idea that the specific details of things kind of change their character and their face on, on a very, very uh, off, uh, frequent basis. And that if we fixate on that stuff, we will be overwhelmed and very much engaged in uh, uh, emphasizing that as the uh as the terminus point of our attention mm -hmm. as the target of what we're thinking about and the confederation uh is suggesting a wider perspective that kind of uh lengthens the time scale at which the details matter when you lengthen that time scale and all of the cultural stuff, all of the social stuff, the economic conditions, uh, what you had for lunch yesterday or what you're what you can have for lunch, because in your life, maybe you're lactose intolerant, like all these little details kind of wash out. Right. And mm. they're talking about time scales that are longer than 150 years. They're talking 10,000 years, a million years. Right. And what it does is, uh, you know, for most people, for most people, if you said, let's think on a time scale of 10,000 to a million years, they'd be like, well, then there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to say other than our biological existence. Mm -hmm. And that they're, they're on the right track because there is an evolutionary component here, right? Evolution works slowly over time. And time is kind of like the means by which this occurs, so to focus on intransient or timeless topics is to take the scale back and to pull back from being like right up on the timeline, mm -hmm. pull back and to see uh, what matters on that scale. And that throws all sorts of questions into stark relief. Okay, well, what am I that, that would even have agency on this scale? Uh, what would it mean for me to evolve on that kind of scale if we're not simply talking about a body? We're not simply talking about like a social construct or something like that. Um, it is designed, I think, to really reframe how we look at ourselves 
and how we uh, exercise that discrimination of the mind um, about what to place our attention on. There is, I wish I had it queued up. I tried to find it and I couldn't, but there is a Hatan from the seventies that talks about like, it's not talking about transient and intransient stuff specifically. Cause I find that keyword very hard to search on mm-hmm. in the archives. Uh, but they talk about like, look at where your thoughts are. What do you think about? Are you thinking about things that are of spiritual import or not? You can judge your thoughts. You can evaluate your thinking on a simple, on simple terms, right? Will this thought lead to my spiritual evolution or not? And that's the kind of, perspective shift that allows you to use the mind, to use the, the, the river of time that we're stuck in as third density incarnate beings, uh, instead of being used by it, you are starting to use it, um, to propel your own evolution by changing the way that you think about things, by changing the emphasis you put on things. It's not to say that details never enter your mind. It's that they're given the proper emphasis. They're balanced with the other concerns. Our the Confederation seems to imply that our big task is to find that balance. We're not here to be, you know, uh, martyrs. We're mm-hmm. not here to be uh, uh, gurus uh, meditating uh, for the rest of our lives and uh, begging for our food. What we're here to do is to be whatever it is that we had on that incarnational plan in our culture what we desire, all of that, but also to balance it with this broader perspective so that we can constantly take these abstract, but um, very refined ideas of the spirit and ground them in, in the way, in, in some way that people can understand and we can understand and learn from in this detail ridden existence um, this time. And then the next time that the details shift, we'll ground it the way it ground the, the way that it kind of like uh filters through the conduit and and comes out that way and then the next time it'll be a different way but we just because we're manifesting these different things in these different detailed uh aspects of our lives we are keeping that thread of love that thread of spirit true we have to know that so that we can act in a variety of ways and be in a variety of ways to be of service and that's why it's so important to focus on the being rather than the doing. Because if you focus on the being, if you focus on the connection with the creator, the connection with the deep self, the doing will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Where to go? There were three, I think there were three points in there where I could have taken a, not a left turn, but I could have veered left or right and added a little I should note, have given you but, an opening. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's okay. It is okay. Um, this is good stuff to stew on. And um, let's start reading through the transcript that we have and see if some of these ideas come back, because I'm, I'm certain they will. Yes, but, begin and end in the information itself, yeah. not Jeremy's. B.S. <laughs> 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 well, the info here is only step one. It's how each of us sorts through, you know, it's how we filter this information and apply it that is step two to infinity. So, you know. You got it, brother. <clears throat> so, the transcript that we have today is from September 2nd, 1980. Hatan is being channeled by an unknown, um, an unknown instrument. And it's a relatively quick one, but Hatan is talking about what matters, what doesn't matter, what is transient, what is, what is intransient. Um, 
So let's just, let's just get started. Hatan states, after this nice little intro, Hatan states, During these meditations, concepts we impress should be relatively easy to understand. You have been conditioned for what you call a lifetime. You have been conditioned to think about certain things and certain of these things you consider important. Others you consider unimportant. Some you don't consider at all. From our perspective, most of the things about the people of Earth, or most of the things that the people of Earth consider important are not important at all or of no consequence. Those things that they don't consider at all are often the most important. And I'm going to reread that last sentence. Those things that they don't consider at all often are the most important. Now, right off the bat, usually I feel like I'm pretty quick with an example or a story about how I relate to this. I don't have anything that comes to mind except for just resonance that, yeah, that feels right. <laughs> I don't know how, but that feels right. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I think it's also uh, related to the concept of discrimination that the Confederation emphasizes quite a bit. Um, to the extent that we can, you know, start to ask questions that we've never asked before. That's the beginning point of getting, of getting to this, uh, the, 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 the information or the, uh, conditioning that has led to, uh, details that we've never considered before. It seems that it is, uh, of primary importance that that questioning process that begins to take us away from our conditioning takes us away from the frame, the mental frame that we adopt to be in third density existence that we are given in order for us to be able to function, right? Like we all know people who, uh, are able, who, who kind of are disconnected from real reality. Um, and, uh, even, even some spiritual people, they're just not, uh, with it, with, the, 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 the cadence of life. And they I often, agree. you know, maybe they have financial troubles or stuff, you know? And, uh, so it's really interesting to see, uh, how there's a broadening of the perspective that can occur. Uh, once we start to ask, uh, questions that get to the heart of things, um, once we ask questions that we don't have immediate answers for, and most importantly, and there's a lot of stories that the Confederation tells about this, asking questions that your parents, your teachers, the authorities in society cannot answer. It puts it all on you. It puts it all on your creative discipline of the self to find a way to balance these things. Hmm. And that's the start of the awakening experience, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. When you but I really do think it has to be self-directed. It has to be part of a natural opening. It must be. Which is why the, the creator the creator is the one that makes the seed grow. We either we plant it, it may fall on fallow soil, right? 
That's the only thing that we, outside of this individual coming to their own awakening, the only thing we can do is to simply be there and to share what's asked. Because the first times that they're dealing with this, they're going to maybe naively reach out um, and ask for help with information perhaps that isn't that to us doesn't seem even important but it's the you know people start i'm thinking of people who get into like edgar casey or uh get into the more um exotic parts of raw that's usually i mean it's where Mm -hmm. i first latched on uh uh, you know i remember when i first learned about edgar casey as a 13 year old like really like learned about what he was about not just like hearing about it from my parents because they were really into that Mm -hmm. i was super into the atlantis channelings to all the crystal weapons you know that stuff is kind of cool you know hell yeah it's cool (laughs) but 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 the deeper questioning had to come later yeah when you're ready for it or when you're when your mind and spirit are ready Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a it's a process right it's a process but there's a sifting that's going on of discriminating against all these incoming signals and, and and kind of a shift in how you understand your desire and do I want to stay in the safe space of what my conditioning has uh, led me to? It is safer there. It is more stable in a lot of ways. There's still suffering, but you know that the parameters of how to deal with it are pretty well known. You either win or lose. To go into this confederation framing is to throw all the cards in the air. And to say, you know, winning is losing and losing is winning, right? <laughs> yeah. I had a thought and then I just lost it. My com- I'm my, steamrolling. My I'm com- sorry. No, no, no. My computer fan turned on and then I got thinking about the room noise and all that, you know, but. <laughs> I got cars driving by me three feet away. <laughs> I, there's plenty of noise on this recording. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, again. I agree with where you're with where you're coming from. I kind of chuckle at the, uh, you know, what you latch onto perhaps as a 13 year old kid, you know, um, and then but how that does set the stage for the future growth, and and I love that. Um, yeah, all we can do is plant the seed. It's the creator that waters it. You know, um, I'm glad you reflected it back because I think the take one of the big takeaways from what I said is. There's a utility to transient stuff too, right? Even the, yes. you know, the transient spiritual information, it might be transient. It's still spiritual and it still has potential to wake people up. You know what? If it gets you fired up to keep reading, you know, like again, how I found all of this was reading um, Secret Machines, Tom mm-hmm. DeLong's books, you know, and then Amazon Amazon kept recommending that I read the law of one. I'm like, okay, algorithm. Thanks. You know, but I was totally into the UFO. I'm still into the UFOs. I'm so excited about this Senate report, the preliminary report, and I'm hoping future reports. I will listen to Lou Elizondo on YouTube. Those interviews that he does all the time. I will listen to those for hours at a time. So I am in the weeds of the transient stuff because it's so cool. And I kind of want to meet aliens. I think I would be scared and I would be dripping in fear, but I want to meet some aliens. Why not? You know, so. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing is um, that, uh, you know, the Confederation has made a lot of points about how they can't land Mm -hmm. and be open with us uh, because we're not ready for it. But 
it seems like a huge shift over the last 50 years has occurred. And that now, maybe those terms are changing. What I'm interested to, be, to see is, what does landing actually look like? Because I'm, I'm convinced, I, I suspect, I'm not convinced, I'm not convinced by anything, but I suspect that when they land, it's going to be completely unexpected in how it occurs. I don't know if it's going to be a craft. Yeah, I don't know. And, but I'll tell you this, if, if, if they ever land on the White House lawn, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to yeah. be like, false flag. Psyop, this is a psyop. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me, I'm going to be posting on Facebook like, don't believe it. This is BS. Like, what are the odds, you know? Well, if it's coming out of mainstream media, it's probably a psyop anyway. <laughs> it's probably. Right? Like, like of some kind. I if know. nothing else, to sell us advertisements, right? I know. I, oh my gosh. Can you imagine the news ratings? It's, it'll be, they'll never, oh, it'll be huge. It'll, anyway, yeah. we're digressing, but this, that's, we it's so much are. fun to talk about. <laughs> so much yeah. fun to think about. Um, okay. Well, in this, in this transcript, Hatan continues. If you would like to discover what is important and what isn't, the process is relatively simple. There's an inaudible portion here. And then Hatan continues, first, is the concept involved with what you are considering of a lasting nature, that is, 100, 1,000, or 10,000 years from now, will what you are considering and examining be of any consequence at all? This is the first and possibly the most important test. If you are putting considerable time and effort into a concept which will have no meaning in a hundred or a thousand years, or even a few years, then of course it is of no importance at all from our point of view. For from our point of view, your relatively short span of existence on the surface of your planet is but a brief experience in a much, much greater inaudible. Dang you, Hatan and recording. Always clearing it uh, up. <laughs> this, so this I love because yeah. two examples came to mind immediately thinking about what is it that you are doing or considering that may last a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years. I've got two examples for you. Buddha and Jesus. Whatever those guys did, however they, whatever example they set, whatever they were considering and doing, that has lasted and something about that just sits well with me <laughs> you know if i'm thinking of what can i do today to uh, you know affect the world five thousand years from now it might not be the amount of money i'm making you know the synthesizers that i'm putting in my home studio you know it, it's going to be something different and something that may not quickly come to mind as being the important thing to think about but we could use say buddha or jesus as examples for the way that they lived their lives the service they provided others the teachings they provided others and how we are still talking about those two individuals yeah and like look at how the only things that we can really identify are like actions but what is our thesis thesis is that the actions are just the manifestations in the detail of the moment 
there, I think both of us, I think you would agree with me that there's a thread of truth that runs through the teaching and examples that they set. And that that thread of truth is what has in better or worse ways been preserved and have, has lasted. And that's, what's wonderful about, uh, both of those, both of those masters is that they set examples and their lives became like a proving ground for the more, for the more, um, for the undercurrent of truth that they were trying to convey. They didn't have to like put it into this detailed explanation that you could just intellectually consume. No, it had to, it has to, it has to tug on your heart a little bit because the truth is not just intellectual. It's also a feeling. It's also a totality of experience and it's a concept complex that you can't just like get your hands around. If you could, <laughs> if you could, then we, it would probably be easier to live third density. Sure. Some those, there are truths in there that are deep and take a lifetime to understand. And if you ever understand it and exemplify, but those truths, whatever, whatever those are, whatever they are, they're powerful enough to have lasted you know, the thousands of years since they existed, since those two individuals existed. Um, and, and we might just be glossing over how simplistic the rule that they are suggesting is. We're not talking about uh, uh, a, a, a quadratic equation here for figuring out which is transient and which isn't. This is very simple stuff. I mean, all you need to do is be honest with yourself. And when you find that you are emphasizing a transient thing, that doesn't mean that you're making a mistake. It just means that maybe adjust the emphasis with which that you place on things. Um, It reminds me of that rock rock quote, you know, it's not the, it's not the, uh, it's not the information that is negative, the the, the transient information, the, the UFO and Bigfoot and all that. It's not that information itself. There's anything wrong with it. It's just another piece of information and you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, uh, elevate or uh, uh, put it below, like going to the dentist or you know uh, watching the football game. There are all these details. The question is: is do you emphasize one so much that it fixates your mind on it and takes you away from the things that allow you to evolve, that allow you to grow? Finding that balance so that we can be in those details, so that we can go around the water cooler or meet somebody on the street and talk about the game last night, but also find a way to be, to radiate that love while we're doing it. That's how we use the details to manifest instead of using the details to distract. And I think, I feel like I'm, I'm channeling you here, Jeremy. Um, it, it doesn't matter what you do what you focus on there's going to be learning there you know at the end of the road you pass on to the next whatever's next you know if you're doing that life review whatever it is there's going to be learning and lessons there um so it's not like it's not like you can make a wrong decision necessarily you know but if you have goals in mind if you want to experience if you want to have faith that there is an experience, an important experience in the non-transient ideas, examples, way of living, whatever. If you want to have, if you have faith and if you start moving down that path, 
then perhaps there are different lessons, maybe lessons that are more powerful or that may stick with you and aid in your development that these, you know, other transient lessons just aren't going to give you. Yeah. Again, I come back to this idea of the off kilter state, the state where we're not certain, um, the state where we have open questions that we can't find answers for out there. That is where there is the possibility for growth and true self-discovery because it's always going to reflect us back inward. Isn't there, there's a, forgive me, there's a raw, I'm not going to say quote, there's a raw statement that goes Mm -hmm. something like this where Don, the questioner asks, is it possible to graduate without understanding or knowledge of the law of one? And raw states, it's almost required that you don't understand the law of one in order to graduate, you know, and maybe it, well, I'm, I could digress, but I want to throw this out there. Maybe it's because the lessons that we learn of love, that direction that we move, I think, as they say, once you get to kind of the end of fourth density, or as you're moving through fourth density, you're kind of prone to martyrdom because you love so much, but that's just not, that's not how you should really do it. So yeah. And if you understand. Well, it reflects another it doesn't it reflect another um, perhaps uh, imbalance and a, mm. a lack of emphasis on what's important. Yes. yes. And there's plenty of time in that, in that there was a, a quote, a Hatan or something. I forget who it was, but you had mentioned on a previous podcast, there's plenty of time to learn the wisdom stuff. Yes. That's what fifth density and fourth density are for. Yeah. They are for now that the veil is off mm. and we're not uh, working in the dark with a tiny, tiny candle trying to make, um, you know, these, these, these faith based, uh, uh, gambles. Um, once that veil is off, then we can start to, if we have learned the lessons of love, we have the basis for the springboard into intelligent infinity and we can start to work on, okay, so what is the wisdom? Um, if you recall, like Ra says that, um, Fourth density tend to get into battles with the negative side. Yeah. Because they don't have the wisdom to refrain from battle. Yeah. I'm a, it's I'm not a love because warrior. the battle is wrong. Love right? warrior. Yeah. It's that they don't see that <laughs> even at fourth density, they don't have the perspective. Right. So it's always this widening of the perspective, the widening of the concept of self, uh, zooming out and seeing as you zoom out, you can take in more of the totality of the creator. And that is part of what our growth is, is becoming aware that that is already the state that mm. we're in. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you for reminding me of that because I had forgotten that, that, um, you know, I'm over here trying to be wiser, trying to understand this and that, and maybe just good reminder that, hey, right now with where we're at, if we if we do trust the messages of the Confederation right now, our lessons are centered on learning the lessons of love. So why not lean into that and then trust yet that yes, those lessons of wisdom, understanding and unity, that's all that's going to come. But it's going to be I think it may be harder to get there until and unless we understand those lessons of love. So let's I lean think in. Maybe, I think maybe the thing that Ra was objecting to, I'm speculating a little bit here, but it's the word understanding. Right. Acceptance is much more the name of the game in third density, accepting the lessons of love, being, being completely leveled by the lessons of love, 
having all of your guards, your walls inside torn down by the lessons of love mm-hmm. to the point where you say, where you surrender to it. I, well, again, you can, you can go back to Jesus and say, if Jesus, yep. ac- according to Ra, was a, f- was a fourth density being right on the cusp of graduating to fifth density, and this was like yeah. the last lesson or last his last test. merit badge the before last. he got his eagle <laughs> <laughs> eagle scout jesus <laughs> but um and i think again that just exemplifies the the end of the the end of the road so to speak with the lessons of love in beginning to learn the lessons of wisdom how far did jesus get he got pretty far the dude could turn water into wine right he could heal people because he loved so absolutely and so clearly and i don't know about you but i'm okay with um getting to be like jesus instead of just oh i want to be like ra or i want to be a fifth density being like whatever that is i want to be that you know i'm totally fine with turning water into wine i'm totally fine with helping blind people see (laughs) you know i don't i feel like i don't have to skip skip ahead you know you bring up an excellent point of discussion when we're talking about transient stuff are not the miracles transient they are who gives a crap about you know, turning water into wine. Hold on. Like I understand where you're coming from, yeah. but at the end of the day it's like hold on. Why do we put so much significance on that? And and I do too. Here's why. Okay. How many seeds did Jesus plant? Here we are 2000 years later. How many billions of people are Christians? Maybe not because they choose, maybe because he grew up in the household, but again, how many seeds did Jesus plant? By the exemplification of his life. And that includes the, the miracles. It, it does include the miracles and in that you're, you're, you're tapping right into what I'm getting into is that at, on the one hand, it's a transient thing. On the other hand, it made a huge difference. And I wonder if what made the difference was not the novelty of the miracle, but his ability to deploy it at the right time. That's what made it the love that allowed him to open up to knowing when to do the flashy thing instead of just making it all about flashy things. You see, oh, sure. does, does that make sense? Sure. He wasn't like Yuri Geller, just bending spoons for entertainment. Bingo. You know, it was, there was a yes. And I think he knew when yeah. to refrain from healing and when to heal or when to be part of that mm-hmm. self-healing process. Right. Mm-hmm. There's actually a Hatan that's about this concept. Um, it might put things in a little bit better perspective. Were you done with the other? There's a, the other one? there's a few more paragraphs, but we can take a, we can take a quick turn here. No problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would like to read this Hatan from 74, uh, February 2nd, 74. Early. <laughs> it's really early. Yeah. It's one of the best ones on transient versus intransient. Nice. If we're just talking about the keyword, like I said, okay. it's really hard to find the meat of this message by searching on the word transient. Um, but here we go. Service, my friends, is an extremely difficult task to perform effectively. It is necessary first to define the objectives of true service in order to understand how one may serve. There are two classifications under which all services may be divided. The first classification includes those services that are of a transient or unlasting nature. These are the services that you perform in your daily activities for your fellow man, and they are truly services. 
but there is a test that may be administered in order to determine whether the service performed is of a transient or unlasting nature, or whether it should fall into the second classification, which includes all services of a permanent and not transient nature. The test is to determine whether or not the service is of such a nature as to cause spiritual growth for the one who is served. This, my friends, whether it is known to the individual or whether he has forgotten, is in truth his only real objective. The people of your planet are, for the most part, in a state of ignorance with respect to their real objective, which is the evolvement of their spiritual awareness. This, then, is what must be served if the second classification for service is to be met. Each of these two classifications are desirable, and we would like to perform for the people of your planet acts, which would be classified under both classifications. Jeremy's insert, like what Jesus does. Mm -hmm. He did both, right? That's what we're saying. That's what we're remarking on. Mm -hmm. All right, to continue. However, since we are aware that the second classification is by far the most important of the types of services that may be performed, it is necessary at this time to, to postpone performances of services of a direct way to aid in a physical or more transient nature. We are quite fortunate that we are able to act as we are doing now to provide the people of this planet with information that they may use in order to augment their seeking in a spiritual sense. It is necessary that if an individual is to make progress in a spiritual sense, that it be a result of an inner directed seeking of his own. Rather than an outer-directed commandment given to him by an organization of a religious or other nature, for this reason it is necessary that we do not make ourselves too generally known and accepted by the people of your planet. If we were to do this, then the inner direction of their seeking would be for the most part lost. This is the basic reason for the conditions that you experience in your present physical environment. These conditions have been selected by yourselves and by others, and they are a natural consequence of the creation, so as to act upon the consciousness of the individuals and create an atmosphere which will provide the inner directed seeking for truth of which I spoke. Unfortunately, many of the people of this planet at this time are so involved in activities that are of an extremely transient and unimportant nature that they do not have opportunities for experiencing the growth of an awareness that is necessary in order to accomplish the seeking that they actually desire. Fantastic. And I remember that transcript as you're going through that. I'm like, oh, I remember reading this. And I've got two points. Go for the it. first, all services are services, whether they be transient, intrained, whatever. All, all acts of service are acts of service. But the, but the ones that last are the services that lead to spiritual growth. And again, it might not be you doing something because that growth happens in another. It, I mean, it may happen in, in yourself, but growth that happens in another for one whom you are serving, that growth still happens to have, <laughs> that growth still has to happen in them. And what really rung a bell is why do we why do we incarnate why do we come here and experience all of this and the confederation has said time and time again we we come here well we have our true desires and they're constantly talking about our spiritual desires, our desire for spiritual growth. Now, think of this, friends, just run through this scenario, okay? If, and this is predicated on the fact that you, you believe in reincarnation, but 
just imagine you're sitting on the other side and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm getting bored up here, not growing a whole lot. I think I've got to go back into the physical and get another life in. So, okay, you go to the office building where you start planning out your life and you're like, I, boy, I could really use a lesson on this. And you start piecing your life together, okay, on the lessons you want to learn that lets your soul experience and grow. And then you come, you, you come to earth, you're born, you, you start living your life and then <laughs> you forget why you are here. You forget that you're here to learn those lessons, to enjoy the spiritual growth. Yeah, driving a Lamborghini might be cool. You know, making making the sacrifices to earn the money that is required to drive that Lamborghini might have its own lessons, spiritual lessons involved. You know, there's again, there's no right or wrong, but can we get can we get past the surface level conflict? Uh, emotions, lessons, and just get down a few levels. Ask, ask those five whys. Can we get down to the recognition that at its core, we're here to grow spiritually. We want to grow spiritually and the lessons that we learn, the service that we provide and the service that others give us helps as a catalyst for that spiritual growth. So yes, transient stuff, is when you're on that surface level. You're still learning lessons. Hey, it's cool. But if you want to get to intransient, it's helping others realize that core desire for spiritual growth and development. That's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. And um, it's almost like, don't you think that the same, that, that part of what we're getting at, uh, starting with the Jesus miracle thing and moving through this transcript is that the same service may the same service might seem transient to one person and intransient to the other for the very reason that it might be interpreted or perceived in different ways like think about the water to wine at the at the at the wedding uh you know some guests might see that and be like demon right like oh my god um <laughs> yeah and you know call call the roman soldiers whatever uh some <laughs> might see it and be like that is crazy and completely forget about anything that's related to Jesus specifically and just spend the rest of their lives wondering how, how this one thing could happen. In fact, that's how a lot of UFO stuff plays out, right? People are shocked by this experience and then spend the rest of their lives puzzling on it. And maybe that is just planting a seed for a future incarnation. You know, some people will see that miracle and they'll be like, um, I need to listen more carefully to what this master is saying. Some people might see the miracle and they might be completely confirmed. They, it confirms something deep within them that then gives them the tools to go on that deeper level, to go on their own path. There are so many different ways and what is transient, what is not could be, uh, they, they could both be there. So it's really about perspective, right? It's really mm. about at what time scale are you looking at the service? How do, when the details melt away, what's left? When the details are involved, 
what's left. I was almost thinking like transient and transient service was like one was like a refined bread, you know, front refined, blah, refined white flour bread mm. where it's like the pure stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the transient stuff is like got all the oats and fiber and stuff. And then you got to process it, right? You got to kind of work through it. Mm. It gives you a lot to hold on to, but the point isn't to hold on to the fiber that's going out. The point is to get the nutrients out of it sure. and that we need to do the work of getting that nutrients out so that then we have a purer idea to bring to some other uh, fibrous <laughs> service, right? Well, we can go act in the moment and more and more that purity will come through if the person is ready for it. If the person's not, yes. hey, no harm, no foul, yeah. right? And you can't, obviously you can't control the spiritual development of others, which is which is why I love kind of one of the core themes here is just plant the seed, just be the clear channel, you know? And I love it yeah. when Latouille gets a little saucy and says, don't go out and help people because you think they need help. Like they're not even asking for it. So I saw there's a there was a, meme that was floating around Twitter and Instagram and maybe it was outside of a coffee shop but there was this whiteboard and it said on the whiteboard it said that every dead body that is on Mount Everest was once a highly ambitious person so maybe chill out a little (laughs) and oh I like that I like that too you know it's like chill out a little bit you know lighten up i just watched an interview with a guy who had a near-death experience and he was he was getting he was getting i wouldn't say aggressive but he was really searching for answers about his experience and he goes to his rabbi and his rabbi said oh i've got i've got it you need to you know you should meditate on a feather (laughs) this guy's like what (laughs) he's trying to sort through what is it what the heck and the rabbi goes lighten up You know, like clearly this is important to you, but man, chill out, you know? Anyway, it's a, I think it's a lesson. Pound of feathers weighs as much as a a pound of steel, right? (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. So I, I can use that, um, that, uh, that reminder every now and then just lighten up, chill out, you know? That's what, um, this, now we're going to come back to the real hobby horse, right? What is the tool to lighten up? What is the tool to achieve this perspective? What, it, what is the tool to reframe our minds and to give us a chance to open up the spirit? Is it, does it, does it rhyme with hesitation or <laughs> <laughs> kind of? It rhymes with teditation. Teditation. <laughs> meditation, my friends. Meditation, meditation, meditation. This is where you have the space to open up and really work with this stuff and it and it won't be you doing all the work. Yes. Let me continue with this transcript that we started from September 2nd, 1980 uh, because there's some other really good bits in here. But Hatan continues, if you examine those things most of your people are fascinated with at this time, you will find them to be of a transient nature. And it will be obvious that almost everything which concerns them at this time will not even be worth putting in your history books a hundred years from now. And my friends, the material in your history books is of no consequence. For my friends, there is only one real thing of con- or one thing of real consequence. And that, my friends, is the development of your thinking. Not about not thinking about politics 
not thinking about ecology, not thinking about evolution, but the simple process of growth through self-analysis, and even more important, your relationships with your fellow beings. And this is interesting because how many people focus on politics? How many people focus on, yeah, Jeremy, you're raising your your hand. I do too. And actually I've just a fair, fair, uh, not warning, but insight into Ryan, my friends. If I delete my Twitter or my Facebook and I don't get that algorithm feed feeding me the, you know, feeding me the fear, whatever, I can pull myself out of like constantly thinking about politics. And I'm so much happier when I do that. So if my friends, you're having an issue, try to turn off social media for a bit. It's wicked. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, but anyway, that one, that one resonated with me, but then here's another common one. Ecology. Climate change is like the talking point on so many people's minds with where, where I work with investing, socially responsible investing and getting away from oil, getting into clean energy as if it's some kind of magic thing hint friends it's not there's there's issues there you know doesn't mean we can't be moving in the right direction but it's so complicated but people we will focus on these areas right that we feel we are passionate about or we feel might affect us whether it be politics ecology or what do they say here evolution you know how how am i growing how am i developing and hatan states hey How about the process of growth through self-analysis and more important, your relationships with your fellow beings? Because friends, how many relationships were destroyed when Trump was elected? Mm. Family, it was on, I got to take it with a grain of salt because it was on the news. But anecdotally, you hear stories of families that got split. Because somebody voted for Trump and somebody else didn't. Well, and then another person hated Trump. And because of politics and we ruined relationships, you know, so I really it manifested like in the law of one community too. There was a, there was a big split. Really? Oh yeah. That blows me away. You know, it's, you know what it, you know what it is, Jeremy? Humans going to be human. they're gonna human (laughs) they're gonna human so i love this i love this what is not transient hatanistain well perhaps thinking and focusing on politics ecology or evolution is transient but you know what's not transient self-analysis working on yourself and your relationships with others well the interesting thing is that those concerns relationships and the way that we think, we can still think about all the transient stuff. Yes. It's not exclusive, right? Not true. Good point. The issue is that how do we uh, kind of channel uh, the intransient uh, 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 emphases into the transient so that we are doing both? We are working on relationships. We are working on our thought process while we engage the real world. Mm, great point great point Hatan. but the relationship thing is really interesting I, that kind of came out of left field for me i understand the point of an analyzing your thoughts for their value and that's kind of a theme in early Hatan. is our which thoughts are of value which aren't 
why don't you start thinking thoughts of value instead of spending all your time thinking thoughts that aren't of value? And I don't yeah. think it has to do with the subject of the thought. It has to do with the way that we think it. Mm, great point. Great. But point. the relationship thing really, I mean, for me personally, with what I'm going on in my life, it really puts everything in perspective. It is about relationships, those mirrors that are giving us uh, good or bad indications of our catalyst. Can you share? Uh, nah, just, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, friends drift apart and, uh, oh, begin to see things differently. I don't want to get into it. Certainly. No, I understand. I understand. Um, actually I'll, I'll give some personal, my best friend in Boston. It's a fear of mine that we will drift apart. You know, we're not, I feel like I can call him at any time and we're like back at back where we were, you know, 10 years ago. But, you know, I've got a growing family. He's got a growing business. In 10 years, that's going to take us in very different, to very different places. And my fear is, is I'm going to lose my best friend, a friend that was so close to me that he was for a while, like on par with my twin brother, with my genetic clone. Like that's how close I was to this guy. So, um, so yeah internal fear of mine but uh but this this paragraph i love this last note you know this is what is important especially as humans we're such social creatures um relationships are important but hatan continues hatan states this my friends is the only thing of lasting importance this is what develops you as a personality develops you as a universal being which is the only thing that you carry with you through the illusion of space and time, which you call the creation. It is not necessary to be complex. It is not necessary to be intellectually bright or knowledgeable or well-informed. It is necessary, my friends, to know why you react as you do to your fellow man. And it is necessary, my friends, to then, having analyzed your reactions, to improve them. My Lord, this is like a self-help book right here. This paragraph there, this, this one is thick, at least in my personal experience, this paragraph is thick. The first thing I want to bring up yep. is actually just the, the note of the illusion here. And we had brought this up long ago, Jeremy, we tried to define what it, what the illusion meant to you. And I said, the illusion is anything that you can't take with you when you pass from this experience. And you move, you know, you move on to the next one. Um, so I like, you know, I like that. Uh, um, this is what develops you as a personality, dot, 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 which is the only thing that you carry with you through the illusion of space and time, which you call the creation. So there are things that we take with us, but it's the lessons we learn about. It's the lessons we learn via our relationships. And I even think in the raw material, they state kind of the purpose of third density with us apes losing our hair and being a little less self-sufficient out in the wild is that it forces us to come together and work together mm -hmm. and start catalyzing, you know, get some catalyst in because those relationships require that we rub up against each other. Yeah. Uh, to reach the uh, pinnacle of third density, uh, reality TV, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, what it feels like all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that it's very interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still stuck and I'll probably be uh, chewing on this uh, this week. 
what are intransient ways in which we can approach our relationships, our thinking about our relationships? What does that mean? Because I Mm. think that's a very important part. I understand the thinking part and the self-analysis part. But when we start to bring in the relationship issue, uh, what do they mean by intransient? What do you, do you mean? Have an idea? What do you mean? Because as I understand it, the the focus on the relationships is first of all, let's ca- let's call it that transient and intransient is not binary. It's not on or off. It's no. not one or the other. No. There's a spectrum here. And on the spectrum of transients, when you're working on relationships, you're kind of on the non-transient side of things. By the very definition, if by, we're thinking by, about deep emotional. Yes, because it's through our relationship. And this is just my understanding, but through our relationships, that is how we learn about ourselves. That is how we learn about about others. It's how we learn the lessons of love. You know, and there was a great, I think it, oh boy, I can't remember if this was a, which transcript, if this was was in Carla's book. I'm sorry, I'm getting so fired up. I'm starting to mumble. I can't remember if this was in a conscious channeling or perhaps in Carla's book, but there's a good section on, on being married. Oh no, no, it was a transcript and it was about the purpose of, I think one of the questioners asked about homosexual relationships and Mm -hmm. Hatan, I think it's Hatan, deviates almost immediately and, and broadens it and says, kind of forget homosexual relationships, sexual relationships, relationships in general are about one thing. It's about love and service, you know? So it seems that as we focus on the quality of our relationships or just maintaining them, growing them, building new ones, there's so many good lessons in there for our souls that it is intransient activity does that make sense is that it absolutely makes sense and i do like that oh i'm sorry i don't want to cut you off if you got no 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 please well i i also like here that hatan states it is not necessary to be complex it is not necessary to be intellectually bright or knowledgeable or well informed and how many it's almost it's almost a up in the up in the north it's almost a stereotype or a caricature of like simple southerners that are just wonderful people who don't know a whole lot <laughs> that is a, a i guess you could call it a trope in like in hollywood you know or it's just a it's just a character common it's something i'm not sure what the word is but it's something you see that is common um Some people don't feel that way though. Some people feel that if you are slow or not very bright, well, that you're not worth very much as a person. And uh, I find that unfortunate, but I, but I just, that's what comes to mind are people, the, the character, the standard character of the, of the Southerner, that's either they're complete (laughs) off the rails or they're just really simple, but like the most loving person, like grandma making you sweet tea or something, you know? Definitely, uh, definitely recognize that trope, but there's another trope that's been emerging lately too. Um, the, the thing that came immediately to mind was, did you ever watch that, uh, that show on HBO from like 25 years ago, Mr. Show? It was like Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. No, They had this skit where it was like this guy who was like this, uh, this, this archetypal 
eccentric startup founder who was like, he had all this money and he didn't, he had no, absolutely no common sense. So he'd like be riding his bike around with his ponytail and be like, okay. we have problems. Just imagine near it. And he would just talk in these really flighty ways, like, uh, you know, and Bob Odenkirk is his account. And he's like, he's broke. He doesn't have any money. He spent, he spent a million dollars on inventing a tomato. Oh my gosh. And it must've worked. Cause I just had a tomato for breakfast. Today. <laughs> like Just like completely like coming up with these weird, like tofuti as an ice cream substitute. Tofuti, and everybody, oh he would always have these tofuti parties at work and all, the employees hated it but he'd make them do it with his like uh-huh. hey have some tofuti like oh my god and i'm just thinking of uh, also like steve jobs in the way that he kind of like focused on alternative medicine to the point where he just kind of a lot of people look at that uh scornfully right sure. about man this guy's so smart and yet he can't even take care of his own health like and maybe that's a little unfair but there is a sense in which uh the rich and the intellectual also get lambasted in this way too that they are just as susceptible to kind of going off the rails and being so weird so contrarian that it kind of point. kind of comes around in a horseshoe style right and here's a funny thing <laughs> here's a funny thing if you run into somebody who is just They'll give you the shirt off your back. And I, and I speak to this as coming from Jeremy. We talked early about earlier about where I grew up and the culture in which I grew up is that, um, if you met somebody who was honest, hardworking and generous and loving, they were spoken very highly of no matter what their intellect was mm-hmm. very highly. And I still feel that way to this day. It kind of doesn't, it just doesn't, doesn't matter what matters are, are the way you live your life. You know, the choices you make, do you, are you kind to others? Are you honest? You know, um, that's kind of what he chalks up to. So on anyway, so I love, I love this paragraph. I feel like we could really dive in there, but, um, but there's still a couple more to go and there's some good stuff in here still. Let's move on. Yeah. Hatan continues. This is first necessary for you as an individual to understand, to know, and to apply. It is then necessary, if you have achieved your objective, to, by demonstration of this knowledge, spread this knowledge to others. But by demonstration, my friends, by demonstration, For truly, or for truly, this is the only method you have available to you in your present state of existence. We have observed many on your planet attempting to do good through word of mouth, and yet, my friends, without the necessary demonstration of what they knew to be true, their words were hollow. It is far better to say nothing and to demonstrate through deed and action the unity that you embrace, than it is to speak it, to teach it without the demonstration. And this is another, another hammer slamming the nail home. Demonstrate. Talk is cheap. You know, talk is cheap to put it, you know, to put it in common parlance. Talk is cheap. Do it. Shut your mouth and do, you know, um, and I think everybody's face is getting a little red now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the proof is in the pudding, baby. 
you know, and it is so easy to talk. And I will admit, I used to be a talker. I used to always share the thing that I would do. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to start taking classes or I, I signed up for Harvard's extension school and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and I would have to tell everyone after three months, I wouldn't tell them that I quit or that I stopped doing what I said I was going to do. I would say something new that I moved on to something different, you know, Oh, I'm getting into photography. It was always, you know, I was always a talker and sooner or later I just decided to shut up. <laughs> I went through the same thing myself. Mm. Oh man, good. I had something to say about that. Mm. Well, it's a good lesson. It's a good lesson to learn about oneself. You know, do you truly believe what it is that you're saying? If you don't do, why is it that I felt so in, uh, why did you I felt validated ooh. by making these plans? That's and you know what? Was. There's a reason for that. They've done studies that show that when we say things like that, when we state our intents publicly, that we're actually reinforced and validated. We get the dopamine jet just by saying that we're going to do it. It's almost as if we are creating a situation mm. in our brains where we are uh, getting the reward of having done it. And yet we haven't done it. Yeah. So saying it uh, actually can militate against even doing it. Uh, it's better to just do it and then talk about it afterwards or, you know, to just maybe not take it all so seriously. Right. That was the thing with me. It's like taking myself so seriously that I need to like project to others this big plan I have. You know, what? what's the point of that? Yeah. If I want feedback, that's one thing. But did I really want feed? Did I want feedback, critical feedback, or did I want people to be seen with having these big ambitions, right? Yeah. I, th I remember the, the day that this changed in me. Um, I don't mean to be boastful, but, but a few more than a few years ago now, I was, I was working towards this quite challenging financial certification and simultaneously while doing it, I was, I was running ultra marathons and I was, doing a graduate degree in finance that was a busy guy and but i my parents had were had come down to visit my then girlfriend who's now my wife they they came down to visit and they asked what's new <laughs> you know and i kind of hemmed and hawed and old ryan would have said oh Ma, i'm running ultra marathons i'm doing this i'm doing that you know i'm so cool you know like approve of me <laughs> you know give me your approval but i didn't i didn't say anything i was just really like yeah things are good work's busy whatever and then i think by the end of the weekend i finally told them i was i enrolled in a graduate program and my dad like was like what <laughs> like, why didn't you tell us <laughs> And I actually said, I'm like, ah, I tell you so many things that I start and I never finish. I kind of just wanted to finish this one up and then tell you that I had done it, you know? So, but that, that event pretty much changed how I talked about what I did. I started to come to terms with the fact that if I say, if I get excited and tell people what I want to do, okay, that's great. But unless I actually do it, it would be much better to tell the story about what I had done or how I had gotten through this or that versus all of the hopes and dreams I had for, for future action. 
or maybe even uh, diving into the underlying desires and sharing that rather than trying to make it this concrete thing. There's a lot of ways you oh, can yes. approach it. Oh, yes. And totally. I will say, parents are a unique category. They want to hear about hopes and dreams. So it's not that bad to like, they eat that stuff up, you know, <laughs> like that they really want it. Sure. Uh, it's more the people uh, like your neighbor who accosts you and tells you about like some big project they're going to do or something. And they always have some new thing that they're going to do. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, okay, here we go again. You know, sure. Talk about what's like motivating. What are the things that are behind that, that are, that you're thinking about? Let's have a deeper conversation. Let's, yeah. let's really explore each other's ideas and hopefully our hearts at some point. Totally. So I think Hatan is just killing it with these, you know, with these statements. Um, but boy, this one hit hard. It is, it is far better to say nothing and to demonstrate through deed and action the unity that you embrace than it is to speak it, to teach it without the demonstration. Pe yeah, people see right through that. Yeah, and I think people will find if they really reflect and try different ways of, of, of orienting their action and their speech that Sometimes there is a little bit of a exclusivity, right? The more, like I said, the more you talk, the less you do. The more you do, the less you have to talk. Yeah. Yes. And the more you can be, the more all of this dissolves into nothing, right? Yes. There's, there's, we could go way down that. Oh, I want to go down that path so bad and talk about it, but we can't. We got a couple more paragraphs here. So let's, let's, so let's keep going. Hatan continues. Spiritual growth, my friends, is a very simple thing. It is almost too simple. You cannot possibly intellectually explain or understand any facet of spiritual growth. When you have reached the next step in the development of your awareness, you will then, full, you will then understand fully what was so impossible to explain before you had arrived at your new position of knowledge. But to explain it, my friends, if we could do this, our task would be very, very simple. We would explain to you how to grow spiritually. You would grow. We would all rejoice and our task would be complete. But why, my friends, then, is it so very, very difficult? Why have we used so many, many words expressing in your language a direction, a technique that is unreachable. We say, know yourself, and yet, do you follow our instructions? <clears throat> now, the next paragraph of this is a transition into a session where Hatan kind of guides them through how you start asking questions of yourself and you know how you can start realizing this how you can know yourself and, and gain the spiritual development but i do like this last point spiritual growth is simple but it's not something you can intellectually explain or understand until you have gained a certain level of experience or growth or development within yourself so it's not something that Hatan can say, hey, guys, here it is. Here's how you do it. Ready, go. Spiritual evolution for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you got to get the fifth density before the wisdom can really be grounded in the power of love instead of just trying to 
reach for mm-hmm. it, to, to grasp for it. That's how I kind of see it. And, and this also reiterates underneath it all, it really reiterates the challenge of the faith that is required to do this. There's, there's just so much faith. Oh my gosh, here I am disliking religion, <laughs> you know, which is uh, at least is predicated on, oh, just have faith that we're right and we can know what we're talking about, you know, and here all the stuff that I'm reading is, oh, have faith that living this way, that meditating, that working on your relationships, have faith that this will lead to the growth that you desire on that deep spiritual level, that we all desire on that deep spiritual level. Have faith and go with it, you know? At least proof is in the pudding. And I will say ever since I have started this journey, I joke with my wife, as as soon as I found aliens, I've been so much happier (laughs) than I was before (laughs) I found aliens. In reality, it's finding the law of one and this, this I call it this template, you know, but proof is in the pudding. I have been happier and more content and more at peace since I've learned about this and tried to employ some of these ideas and philosophies in and how I live. It's, you know, so I'm trying. You have the benefit. You have the benefit of having discovered this stuff when you were, I think, pretty mature. For me, uh, because I kind of slid into it from adolescence, uh, I would freely admit that like, I really don't feel like I lived the message of the law of one at all um, until about five or six years ago. And that in some ways it was a stumbling block for me uh, to simply be able to intellectually parse and rehash these things. I mean, it turns out that it was a, it was something I had to go through and it gave me an ability to riff on this stuff that helps us now. Sure. But, um, in terms of applying it to my life and seeing the deeper significance of all this stuff, I really had to grow up quite a bit. Hmm. That makes sense though. How many, how many, you know, I've got a friend I just, uh, reconnected with. He tried to convert everybody, all of his friends. He was so on fire for Jesus that he, he got so excited. He basically turned everyone off because he was just kind of that annoying guy. Oh yeah. And, um, how many kids grow up in the religion with that kind of fire? I would say very few. It's something that you either grow into because you mature and you go through life's experience or you find it later in life. And something about the message, whatever, whether it be Christianity or Buddhism or, or consumerism, Whatever it is, something's going to resonate with you and you you can latch onto it. I bring this guy up because we reconnected. He's much less vocal than he was 20 years ago about finding Jesus. But as Hatan states here, and I'm going to paraphrase, proof is in the pudding. This guy is serving his community in a very interesting way. He's done a couple careers that I'm aware of, and this one is is very different. He's a corrections officer. And he, I think he took this gig, took this job with the goal in mind of service. Because 80% of the people in the facility are in there for drugs and drug offenses. 
And he wants to be, I mean, they're in there serving time, right? But he wants to be that light, that example, that they might have a better life if they make different decisions or can get off drugs, if they can get the help that they need. You know, they can live with the same amount of love that this other guy can, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going in there with that explicit, like I'm going to be the guy that they can look up. He just wants to serve. But me looking outside, looking in, that's what I see is this loving guy. He wants to serve. He wants to be there to help where he can. Um, but he took this job, I think with that goal in mind, you know, and, uh, I, I don't know. I find that fantastic. If we're talking about living by example, well, if your analysis is right, he is deep cover, isn't he? Deep cover. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, regardless of your thoughts on the, the prison guards and the cops and all that, mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer for them to be working on themselves and trying to walk the path than not. Um, what, what needs to change in this world is not systems. It's not structures. Uh, it's a mindset. Everything flows from that mindset. It's people. Whatever yeah. we attach, I think Milton Friedman put this kind of well. He's got an old series from the 70s that I think you can even find on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, he pretty much states what we call government, what we call a company, a corporation, what we call anything is really just a group of people. You know, there like there is no magic government that's out there. It's just a bunch of people. Now, yes, they might have legal cover. You know, there's we could talk about threat of force and, you know, all these other ideas. But when it comes to it, there's just people. And I feel like if you want if you want that change, it's not the organizations per se that need change. It's people, you know, it's people. You know, I think that pop popular in in conservative talk is the idea. It's I think it came from Andrew Breitbart that politics is downstream from culture, and yeah. if you want if you want change, you gotta you gotta change the culture. And the culture is tough to change, but if you want the culture to change, well, maybe you've got to work one on one with people. Maybe you got to work on yourself. You know, or you can do what Breitbart did and launch a propaganda wing, right? Or you can launch a news organization. <laughs> well, yeah. like, but hasn't that kind of blown up in their face? Hasn't that gone completely off the rails? I, I don't mean, know. I've heard it shows you how how unmalleable some of this stuff is, and how this is why the Confederation says that the real way to really affect people and to serve them is to find those intransient threads and then manifest in the moment. Don't intellectualize it. Mm -hmm. Don't have an agenda, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That's the difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like to be reminded that when it comes down to it, we're dealing with another person, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. can you see the humanity in that other person and recognize the foibles that everyone has? And, you know, it, that doesn't make it easy or even easier, <laughs> you know, it's still hard, but, um, it's just always, in my mind, it's just always a good reminder that, you know. Freedom is in our head. Let those other people go, and then their freedom yeah. will be in their head. Yeah. That was such a good story. Thank you, Hatan. Because it puts it right in perspective where your agency lies at all. 
and what kind of agency you want to bring. Do you want to bring a transient agency that gives that food <laughs> directly to the people? And then yeah, I'm done, right? Yeah. Or is there a deeper thing going on? Is there a deeper drive, a hunger uh, to connect with people and to share the creator with them and to have them share the, their, their version of the creator with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much to learn. There's so much growth to do. There is such a lack of um, friction between my learning and your learning in this relationship that we're in. Apply that to everybody in the world. There is no need for an exclu- exclusive exclusivity there. It's all perfect. This is what it, this is why they keep coming back to this concept of the perfection of creation. Even though we look out and we say, "Oh my God!" Right? How messed up everything is. It's all on a trajectory to get more messed up. But we have a very small perspective. We have a perspective that is hemmed in not just by our conscious minds, not just by our conditioning, but a steady stream of conditioning that occurs in the media, right? Like all, no matter what media, Mm -hmm. all of it's designed to focus you on what they want you to focus on. What do you want to focus on? Then filter that way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's why I, I really agree with your whole point about how these are just people. Yes, there's assets. Yes, there's contracts. Yes, there's fiduciary duties and externalities, all these things. But where is it actually motile? Where is it actually, where is there some place that can actually be affected? That's the people. Because the people created all of this. The people created the patterns of behavior mm-hmm. to come to office every day, uh, to, to do business under this name. Those patterns of behavior are what seem so uh, permanent and intractable, but actually they're, they're the most malleable things out there, right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so. This is a great- Final digression. <laughs> this is- um... I'm just, I'm all out of transcript here, but to sum it up, to sum it up, there are, I think, some amazing points here. First of all, are you thinking long-term? What effect will your, will your actions and decisions have in a thousand years? If they're going to have zero effect on what happens a thousand years from now, well, that's probably transient which doesn't quite square up with like the quality of one's personal relationships, which is kind of next on their list of things that are not transient. Um, because, well, maybe if you, if you, if you're concerned with the wider evolution of your fellow man, are you not going to approach that relationship differently? That's true. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, that's true. And perhaps what would happen in a thousand years if everyone started acting with love and compassion towards everyone else today versus the path that we're currently on? So I guess I can see that quality of relationships. This, that's what I get out of it. Not, not thinking about politics, ecology, evolution specifics that Hatan notes, but being right, being right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for that reminder. Yes. Is that, is that important to us as well? (laughs) You know, um, or can we focus on ourselves, our personal, our self analysis coming to terms with who you are and then your relationships 
with others. And doing the work of refining all of that, right? Getting clearer and clearer on what's important to you and letting the other stuff like just slick off your back, right? Yes. Not fixating on the details. Yes. And I love when Hatan says it's not necessary to be intellectually bright or knowledgeable or well, well informed. It is necessary to know why you react the way you do to your fellow man. And once you know, once you've analyzed your reactions, can you improve them? And I think that's the, the this goes hand in hand, the self-analysis and the relationships with others. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy cut me off. Why? Oh, why did I pull back up and then ram him off the road? <laughs> you, know, it, you know, why did I do that? Okay, well, go within, maybe meditate, you know figure it out, (laughs) try to analyze that personal reaction, come to terms with it, and then demonstrate the lesson that you've learned through compassion or through improving your relationship or not doing it again or whatever it is. Practicing a different way of thinking about it that then engenders a different reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like getting to that deeper level and driving is perfect. Low stick. Well, generally speaking, from an emotional point of view, the stakes are low, right? It's kind of how I feel about social media too. The stakes are pretty low because mm. <laughs> nobody remembers any of this stuff. But like the idea is, can you catch yourself when you have these emotional reactions? And then instead of doing the intellectual thing, which is to explain the reaction to yourself, to come up with a story that contextualizes it, and then to let that guide what your reaction is, to have an uh, sort of an unstudied, spontaneous understanding of how you feel, to accept that feeling first and foremost, perhaps take it into the balancing, right? But also um, to then respond rather than react. That's the big distinction I see. Jeremy, can I share with you something I learned about myself with me getting fired up? If I'm ever watching the news, or watching a video on YouTube, or reading a Twitter thread. If I ever start to feel heated, a little impassioned and emotional, and now a little red flag goes up in my mind, and it goes like, it, there's a sign on the red flag, and it reads, you're probably being manipulated. <laughs> and I swear to God, this especially happens on the news, because issues, yeah. issues are framed in a certain way to make you feel a certain way. And once I recognized that they were speaking to me and I was feeling the way they want me to feel, I'm like, oh boy, I need to establish like a flagging mechanism here that whenever I run into this, I, I, that goes off my head. I'm probably being manipulated. And from there, I'll, I'll just shut it off. I'll try to shake my head a couple of times and go, okay, I need to reset because I feel like I'm getting programmed. Negative emotional reaction (laughs) is a good friend in that way, isn't it? It tells you. And, um, you know, I also uh, feel compelled to say like the very fact that we break down our society into these narrow exclusionary things called issues itself, it serves the production of media far more than it serves our dialectical, holistic understanding (laughs) of what's going on. That's a great point. And this kind of goes back to a previous point about uh, people talking well here, talking instead of demonstrating and talking with yeah. confidence and how I feel that the more confidently someone talks about a specific issue to use that keyword, mm-hmm. the more full of crap I think they are because issues are so 
nuanced and they're so broad that if you are able to kind of narrow it down, I just, the BS meter just goes off. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's more to the story here that I, I should know. I'm probably being manipulated. <laughs> That's what goes off in my head now. <clears throat> yeah. So in that way, Breitbart at all did a lot of service because they showed people on, you know, how manipulation actually works. And it, I'm not trying to say it's only conservative media. Mm hell heck no like it's just media it's all media, it's media. it yeah. is the it is the frame that the director <laughs> brings to the yeah. film yeah. they decide what you see and what you don't that's why it's such a powerful medium yeah and as a social media and you can get i can get angry with social media but i think i just need to be reminded that social media is the ultimate mirror mm. it's the, the yes. algorithm is driven to show you what you want to see and if you don't like what it is you're seeing, if I'm starting to get fired up and therefore I recognize that I'm getting manipulated, that's a very good mirror. I should probably do some thinking on, you know, so I know we're digressing a bit, but, yeah. but um, well, it's a, the social media thing is very, is a very plays a role in a lot of people's lives. So it is interesting. I actually gave a talk on how to use the catalyst of social media once mm -hmm. at a, at a LL research homecoming. Um, and, but I don't think I addressed the, uh, I think at the time that I gave it, I, I wasn't quite aware of how much of an impact the algorithm was playing in the stream of, of, of material coming through. But it's way, it's way different now than it was in like, you know, 2012 mm. or 2011, right? Mm. And on like Twitter or Facebook or all that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. To get back to this, I think the final the final note here, Hatan would state, other than the fact that this is hard, it's not something you can explain. It's something you kind of have to experience and grow into before you understand it. But the last one is that, uh, again, I'm going to paraphrase, but talk is cheap. You know, talk less, do more. And um, talk doesn't engage the illusion as fully as, as, as demonstration does. Demonstration uses all parts of the illusion to really manifest it's manifestation rather than ideation you can share an idea with somebody else and that's great but to show how it can manifest in the phenomenal reality is almost like a sacrificial act it's a way to like bring it into fullness and to say these things <laughs> these things you can do too as jesus told mm -hmm. us you can do these things too and it's not the miracles per se it's the love and the acceptance of self that allows the discipline of self that allows us to come through yeah. that changes lives in some way that we don't always see yeah the power the power of living not just by example but living with love living in love and living by example is powerful it is not transient that will stick around not no. just for your personal spiritual growth but for the growth of the world and sometimes i think that's what really scares us and makes us not want to live our truths is that we recognize how powerful it is to do so we recognize how much raw power we have there and coming to terms with power is part of third density mm. it is not a side a side topic mm -hmm. Hmm. It's part of the of the 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 lessons of love, wisdom, love, power. Well, my friend, you have any good, more good tidbits, or shall we shall we call it? 
I think, think it's the better part of wisdom to <laughs> call it. I will say that, uh, we lasted just as long as we wanted to. <laughs> perfect. Well, maybe a little bit longer, but it's perfect. Well, yeah. on that note, friends, we always enjoy, uh, doing this podcast and talking with each other. And we would also like to talk with you. So give us some feedback. Um, our website, I should probably say the website more often, uh, inaudible.show. You can go there to, if you don't have the podcast up on your device, you can, you can listen to things right on the uh, browser there. There's a contact form and maybe we'll have some more, um, uh, uh, stuff there. Uh, maybe, maybe one day I'll actually do some writing and finish it. (laughs) But anyway, we are so happy that you are sticking with us and, uh, it means a great deal to us. This week, stay in the love and light.